Miller Lite, the official beer partner of your Philadelphia Phillies, is proud to serve as presenting sponsor of WIP's High Hopes Pod. So whether you're listening to the game, catching up on the latest High Hopes Pod, or at the ballpark, remember it tastes like Miller time, Phillies fans. Celebrate responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yo, it is another edition of the High Ups Podcast. I am James Seltzer. With me... As always, as usual, I have the distinct pleasure to talk to you tonight on a night where many out there are mourning LeBron to the Lakers, but me and Jack Fritz were fired up about the Phillies taking three out of four from the Nationals. Fritzy, what's up, buddy? Who cares about LeBron? We have a baseball team. I don't like this LeBron stuff has just been so overplayed. Like none of that matters. The Phillies are are in second place in the NL East. They're legitimately good. And, like, who cares about LeBron James? It's all pales in comparison to having a fun baseball team. And the Phillies right now are legit fun. And we don't need LeBron James in this town. The Phillies are big enough for the both of us. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Especially because, you know, Machado or Harper will get a, we'll get those kinds of stars. And, yeah, and look, listen, and, he'll, and they'll show LeBron James what a mistake he made. That's exactly right. And then Trout will come and it'll just be it'll be the greatest town to be in. And LeBron will be LeBron will know the giant mistake he made going to stupid L.A. Who cares about L.A. anyway? Am I right? Thank you. Um, But seriously, uh, Jack, we have a baseball team in Philadelphia. We are through. I mean, how much did we talk about that month of June? The the horrible terrible are they gonna survive it month of june and not only did they survive it but they found a way to really over the last second half of the month the tougher half of the month really turn it up winning three of four against washington to end this series over the weekend we're talking here on sunday night after the 13 inning extravaganza jack um we'll dive into the whole series and and look ahead how the schedule gets so much easier coming up here. But, Jack, just your general thoughts on the weekend of baseball. They take two or three over the weekend. Really get get their butts whooped on Friday. And uh, yeah, Nick Pavetta has a rough outing. And, and who would know that in the same series Pavetta would get some redemption? But, Jack, what was your just overall takeaway? Three or four up from Washington, the weekend series. Where are you at with this Phillies team right now? Sitting at 45-37 and 37 on the season. This weekend. Redemption is spelled P I V E T T A. Yes. No. Um, yes. They've they've won they've won four out of five series, and their one series they lost was against the best team in baseball, mm-hmm. with with Luis Severino, who is once again shoving tonight against that baby David Price. Like David Price is such a baby. I can't yeah. believe. I can't believe what he – anyway, I don't want to talk too much about David The Price. Yankees own his soul. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, I, I'm, I'm very – I feel like I'm starting to really figure out this Phillies team, and I think Gabe's starting to put the guys in the right places to, to make plays and make big innings, and I think he's starting to find – I think he's starting to find his rhythm 
as a manager. I think he knows when to put guys in in the bullpen. Uh, like the bullpen last two days has just been unbelievable. Now they it's haven't unreal. been like, they haven't been like tight tight games. Like they've been you know tie games and whatever. But it's, I, we still haven't seen them dominate in a game where they have to hold a one run lead for three innings. That's like the next step in the evolution of this bullpen. But still very encouraging signs the last couple of days. But I, th- I feel like he's starting to get into a rhythm as a manager. He's knowing when when to pinch hit guys. He's really really good at knowing when to take out his starters and, and play for the big inning. We saw it again today, pulling Jake Arrieta, and I, I just could not believe the the outrage that I was watching on Twitter of, like, how is he going to pull Jake Arrieta after 70 pitches? It's like, well, Jake Arrieta wasn't pitching well, and he's playing for the big inning, and this is what you always do in that scenario, or scenario, whatever. I don't know who said <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really sorry I just said scenario. That's just yeah, I me it, Yeah, it wasn't good, Jack. It wasn't good. <laughs> But, like, there's this whole old narrative of, like, managers can only lose you ball games. Gabe, Gabe is turning that on, on its head. Gabe is legitimately helping them win ball games. Now, there's been some games early where he put the wrong guys in the wrong spot in the bullpen. But now I feel like he's starting to figure out the bullpen, when to use guys. And he really is really good at, at pulling his pitchers and knowing when to play for the big inning. And I was just surprised that there was such outrage over, like, pulling Arietta today and playing for the beginning. Like, that's the smart move in that, in that situation. And my favorite thing about the Gabe Kapler era so far is that he's, he's making people legitimately think the game of baseball and think strategy and think good NL baseball, National League baseball, without that fraud DH. <laughs> and and, Francie. Francie. and it's, it's, it's really good. It's really interesting. I'm, I think it's making the city really – it's making the city smarter about baseball because we were in the dark age for, for a long time. Um, all right. Many thoughts on what you just said. Uh, first and foremost, Gabe Kapler has done an amazing job so far this season. When you look at what he has had to deal with from an adversity perspective, from getting booed the first time he ever walked on the field at home in Philadelphia, he got booed. And he has his team sitting at 45 and 37. They're through the halfway point of the season. They're on pace for... Just over 88 wins, Jack, which even though I predicted 88 wins at the beginning of the season was still a ridiculous thing to say, and they're on pace for it, and they're playing really good baseball, and they're a resilient group, and it's one of those things where when everything, at no point has everything been working. Either the bullpen has sucked, or the offense has sucked, or you'll get the occasional bad start, though the starting rotation has obviously been outstanding for pretty much the entirety of the season, but um, they've never had everything humming and and yet they're 45 and 37. And I don't know what else to credit that to other than the managing and the coaching staff and the, the way they've coached this team up, especially with how bad the defense has been too. I neglected to mention that. So um, I think that from a behind the scenes perspective, uh, the, the having the right mentality for this team, having this team, the resiliency that they've shown, the fact that they can get their butts whooped 17 to seven and then come back and win two one run games. That that's the type of team they are. And they've done that all year long. And anytime they look like they're flagging or, or they are kind of faltering, they bounce back and they fight back. And that's really impressive to see from a young team with a first-year manager. And I think Kapler deserves a lot of credit for that. I think you're absolutely right on the other end that I think he's starting to really find himself from a strategic perspective. I think he's starting to really understand the game from that 
you know, managing a game type of, of thing where we have seen him make some strategic errors earlier in the season. He's starting to really nail those decisions. And I think that, you know, look, obviously today's game was a great example of many things. You know, I think I saw, uh, you know, Ben Harris at by Ben Harris on Twitter tweeted out, this will be known as the Gabe Kapler game or something to that effect because of the way he handled the pen. And, and like you said, look, I couldn't believe the Arietta thing. Arietta stunk again. All right. And I guess he, maybe he was slightly better than he's been the last couple times out. He didn't look good there. I had no problem with him pulling him there. And you look at what he's done with the bullpen over the last two days alone, seven innings of work after Velasquez obviously had to leave the game on Saturday as well. Um, you know, puts Yaxel Rios in the right spot. That dude made some big time pitches is able to save Sir Anthony, uh, in the blowout to get him back for that one inning he needs him for there. He's just done a really good job. And then obviously today navigating through 13 innings of baseball, getting Nick Pavetta in there to to get that redemption. And look, calling on Austin Davis when Austin Davis somehow comes in and strikes out the side. Everything was working for uh, Gabe Strikes out the today. side facing, facing. Yeah, the heart of the order. Yes. Yeah. Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon and, that, and, and Harper, Wait. whoever it was. Austin Davis, the fireman. Who who saw that coming? <laughs> um, so and, look, uh, hold on, and, and, and before you move on, leaving Aaron Nola in the game in the first game of the series. I mean, he could have easily pulled him, and totally. he has talked. He talked right after the game, and he was saying early in the season, I would have my heart would have been pacing, it would have been racing in that scenario, but I now trust Aaron Nola, and he trusts Aaron Nola. He's learning who we can trust in certain situations, and that was always going to happen with the first year manager, especially a guy that reads and and listens to information as much as he does. Like, I just think, I think he's really, really growing as a manager. And I think these guys are feeding off of that energy. You know, there's, there's not... Oh, more. I agree. I mean, look, Reese Hoskins came out and said that type of positivity from a manager, that does so much for a team over 162 games. It's a grind. And, and to have someone who is that consistently positive, someone who believes in you, someone who is... Always, you know, believing the best and looking for the best out of you. I mean, that has to help, right? I mean, how could that not help you over such a long grind? Yeah, and I think what's interesting, and I think what we're going to learn as Philadelphia sports fans, is like maybe the maybe the best case isn't to always just throw your players under the bus and, and rip them in the media. And maybe that's a big stepping point to the, to the evolution of the Philadelphia sports fan. Like, maybe Gabe Kapler is going to change how we think about <laughs> Philadelphia sports. Think about it. Like, we were all begging for him to, like, go in there and throw a chair. Not all get, of us, but yes. Not all of us, but there's there a couple of us that, not us, but, like, you know, people, like, you know, hosts on our station, callers. Like, go in there and lose your mind and stop lying to the media. Like, it, that, stuff, that stuff just doesn't matter. Like, none of that matters what he says to the media. Like, I saw after the 17-7 game, John Johnson tweeted at me, like, oh, can't wait to see how he spins this. And I'm just like, who cares, man? Like, none of, none of that matters. And the players, they don't need to be ripped in the media. And I think that makes them feel better, like, that, that, that Gabe always has their backs. And I think it, you're, seeing, you're seeing them really respond to the, the mentality that Gabe has put to the media. And I think it's important. I think it's important for a young team. And I think it's important for us as Philadelphia sports fans to understand that maybe just getting angry all the time and treating every baseball game like it's a freaking football game is is not is not the best mentality going forward. I'm 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 intrigued. Gabe Kapler is shaping the way that we think about sports in this town. I I love the cockeyed optimism there. 
Uh, I don't. Huh. I don't think that is true. I mean, we just. I remember after the Super Bowl, we said, "Oh, you know, Nelson Aguilar and Jason Kelsey and Jason Kelsey's speech, and we're not going to be critical right away, and we're going to remember to give people time, and people can learn, and people can change and get better." And then they boot Gate Kapler the first time he stepped on the field. I don't know. Well, they have to get back to their roots. Yeah, you know, I think change that quickly. I think those roots always be there, but I do think that conceptually, I like kind of what you're hinting at, and I like the idea that. I do think that, you know, potentially he is showing that that maybe it's not the best to, to rip players in the media and stuff. But I also think that there's a big difference between fans ripping players and their manager ripping them. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that, you know, players have to be able to not care what the fans say about them. I'm sorry. Like, you're a professional athlete. You shouldn't care what I say about you. You shouldn't. Who cares? I'm I'm a commentator. You know, but... When your manager, the person who is in charge of putting you in the lineup of your, essentially who has your career in his hands effectively, I think that's a different situation. So I do think there is something to that, especially on the, the personal level and all that type of stuff. But I think either way, it just can't be understated the job he's done. And I think it's unfair to, to not give him credit. It feels like he's taken all the bullets and people just are dying to not give him credit no matter what he, what he does. I mean, he was so good in today's game that even when he makes a decision that any manager probably would have made at that point, like pinch hitting Andrew Knapp for, for Alfaro because you can't have Alfaro stay out there in 100-degree heat any longer. Let's get him out of the game and put Knapp in there, and Knapp walks it off. You know, it was like everything worked. It was just a perfect day, but um, I, I, I just think, Jack, I think that I think that we're at least starting to see a bit of a turn. Do you so you say that when you say about you thinking Kapler influencing the way we kind of look at, at talking about our athletes and stuff? Do you think that the tide is turning on Kapler? I know that I know that there's a lot of smart baseball people who think you know who are impressed with the job Kapler's doing. But do you think the the people who booed him on opening day, those type of people, are starting to come around, or is it is it going to take longer? Well, I think those people are still the people that say managers can only lose you games which, if you've watched him manage, uh, it's just not the case. It's not the case at all, uh, especially, especially the whole mentality of playing for the big inning. Um, I, think, I think any Gabe detractor is going to say that managers can only lose you games and look at the games he's cost us and, and all this stuff. So they don't really have much to say right now. Um, and when they do, it's usually just like analytics are bad and, and whatever. But I, I do think that there are more people that are, are leaning towards – the way that you and I think, the way me, you, and Giulio and Angelino, like the way that we think, there's more of, it feels like there's more of those people that are like, oh, this makes some sense. I understand why he's doing this. And I think that's good. I think that's, I think that's positive growth. And I think just, I think when they, when they see this happening on the field and they, like, and you go back and you see, you follow smart people on Twitter and they're saying this, and then you critically think about it. I think there's I think there's a portion of the fan base that is that is starting to become open to what Gabe Kapler is saying because they're 45 and 37. They're 45 and 37. And they're the youngest team in baseball. Like I took a step back today and I said that to myself and I was like, how? Like how? And I think a lot of it has to do with with Gabe Kapler because what are they really good at? They have oh, good, I, that, I agree with you. That's my point. Like they have yes. a good they have a good pitching staff, but it's 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 pitching way better than. And then projections would say, and there may be some regression in there, but I think Rick Kranich deserves a ton of credit. The hitting's been inconsistent. I think it's been better recently. 
the bullpen is obviously a, a major problem. And this team is 45 and 37. And I think that goes back to the culture that Gabe Kapler has instilled. And really, I think guys are starting to understand their place on this team. And I think he's come up with a set lineup, a mostly set lineup. And he knows, he knows where to play guys. It's, it's, all, it's all coming together at the right time heading into the All-Star break. We're, we're halfway through the season, James. Halfway through the season, at 45 and 37. I never thought they'd be here. And if they were here, I would think it would be on the backs of an unbelievable offense. And that's just not the case. Yeah, I, I think that's what everyone thought if they were going to be here. I don't think anyone would have expected that the starting pitching would be the one thing you can count on. I think quite the opposite. I, I think that you know the bullpen would have even been the second thing that people would have counted on and the starting pitching the least that people would count on. For sure. Been the reverse of that. So I'm with you, and I think that you have to give capital the credit. But let's look at on the field just over the weekend. Before we dive into I want to get into some of the um, – the the news and notes around the team, like the return of Pat Neshek, which I think really could help. But really quickly, just before we move on from the weekend series, anything else stand out to you from this weekend on the field? Maybe particularly that thirteen inning game, uh, you know, the the revenge of Nick Pavetta, or uh, or anything else that just kind of stood out to you from a, a baseball perspective. Uh, yeah. So um, I want to talk about Pavetta on Friday because. Man, the, the Pavetta takes have gotten weird. Uh, everyone knows I'm a big Pavetta guy, and I think he's had a really tough most. He's had a tough most of June, but now I, I, I got a bunch of tweets saying like he should be sent down, uh, put him in the bullpen, and this kind of stuff. And I just want people to, to relax for a second. Nick Pavetta pitched to a 3.27 ERA in the month of April, a 3.27 or 3.24 ERA in in June. Or in May. So one of those two is right for, for both months. I don't know which one's right, but one of those two is right. Um, he struck out 13 starter, or he struck out 13 Cardinals two starts ago. And his last start, last Sunday night uh, on Sunday Night Baseball, really wasn't bad. Like, the, the rain completely neutralized his, the, the spin on his curveball. That's just, that's just Mother Nature hurting you. Uh, he obviously struggles against the Washington Nationals. But the guy has been their second-best starter for the season. For most of the season now, now, I think Zach Geflin had an unbelievable June. Obviously, he won five stars and was a stopper, and this team is not where it's at today without the pitching of Zach Geflin. But I, I, I think there's been a lot of overreaction to what Nick Pavetta um, has done in his last start. I think it's very volatile. Um, he's not a 100% done, finished product. And while we want this team to be great and make the playoffs immediately, it's still about learning who you can grow with and who you can't grow with. And for most of the season... Nick Favetta has been a guy that you could definitely envision being uh, at least a number, at least a number three guy in your rotation. I think the, the is, I saw the, the criticism, criticism was just a little too harsh. I didn't, I didn't expect that um, that quickly. And Vince Velasquez, um, the play he made was the play of the year. There's Easily. no doubt in my mind. Like, Easily. I can't, like, when I try to throw a baseball left-handed, you would assume that I am not, I've never picked up a baseball in my life. Totally. And, for the fact that he was able to throw a, a strike, fire like, it there, like fire Adam it. Eaton, who's like not exactly slow. No, um, Adam Eaton can move. Um, I was just like, that's that's a crazy play, uh, and I was I was actually interested in the way he was pitching. He did you see his two seam fastball at all in, 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 at the beginning of that start? No, I didn't. So he was throwing this two seam fastball that looked like Aaron Nola's, and I'm just thinking to myself, if he can figure that out. Vince Velasquez's ceiling is is almost untapped because it, it it just gives the hitter another thing to think about. Right now, when you're going into the box against Vince Velasquez, you're you're thinking about two pitches. 
And when he's and when he's in a jam, he pretty much only relies on his fastball. His slider curveball is still a work in progress. But if he can throw 97 and off that 97 have a have a two seam slash sinker that is 92 to 94 and moves a it moves a lot like Aaron Nola's, then he is just he, he it, he's a, he's a really valuable pitcher. I, I hope he I hope he's able to reel that in because I think he's a, a legitimate weapon going forward. Um, it was beautiful seeing a full CBP again. I don't care that it was fireworks night. Um, <laughs> it was like the drubbing on Friday night was a tough watch, but Saturday night it was another good crowd, and I was really it was just fun. It felt like a playoff atmosphere, and obviously Sir Anthony came in and shut the door. That was really fun. Um, other things that I saw, I'm really like, where are you at with Jezmel Valentine? Because I think he's a. I real- saw your tweet. You're, you're a big Jezmel Valentine fan. Huh? He just reminds me of like Tomas Perez and, and yeah Abraham Nunez. I always love those guys. And sure. I think he's the, he's the next one of those guys. Yeah, so. I look, I, I, I think, um, I, I like him. He's fine. It's like you said, he's a really solid utility guy. He can play multiple positions. He's, um, I, I really like when they get him the opportunity to bat right-handed. He's such a better hitter right-handed than left-handed. I almost feel like whenever he's up left-handed, it's like an automatic out. But, um, I, look, I think he's a really nice utility player. I, I'm with you. I, I think probably a little underappreciated, but also someone who is, not necessarily that hard to replace, but I like Jasmo Valentine. I've been I've been happy with the production of Jasmo Valentine. Well, I, a player I haven't been happy with is Jake Arrieta. What did you huh. think? Of Ari- what did you think of Arrieta uh, earlier today? He just sucks, man. No, he doesn't suck. Just, <laughs> I hate. I just I hate watching him now. Where it's 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 the freaking he can't locate his fastball, and he's just people just barrel him up. And I don't know what it is. Like he's still throwing 93, 94, not missing any bats. He's a barrel finder. Um, he can't locate his off-speed it's a pitches. Barrel finder. He he. If is, you need a barrel found, he will find you that barrel. Like I think he's gonna be fine. I don't think he's washed. I think he's always been a a a feel pitcher, and he is just out of sync right now. He's been out of sync all month. Uh, he. Again, he just can't strike anyone out. And I know everyone thinks, like, well, that's not that big of a deal. He's a great ground ball rate, and, and he has, he's going to set the record for most double plays turned. It's like, yeah, well, that's also why he has the most unearned runs in baseball and because the ball's always in play off of him. Like, the balls are always in play off of Jake Arrieta, and he needs to figure out how to strike guys out again because if not, he's just not a very good pitcher. And, again, he wasn't good today. He was It was a completely right decision to pull him. Um He's just he, his fastball is just getting teed up on now. Yeah, nice at bat by Los when he came in there too to draw the walk and and look, it was clearly the right decision to pull him. It ultimately led to the Phillies' three runs. They don't tie the game without that. And and again, just that game in general, I think you know outside of Arietta, a, a nice example of this Phillies team. I think you said this earlier this season, but. It is a team that they can go down early and you don't feel like it's over. You know, granted, when they go down, you know, like 10 runs early, that's a different thing. But yeah, but even then they almost came back. Yeah. Um, there, was a, there was a moment there where I talked myself into it. Yeah, where you talked yourself into it. But, uh, you know, that they just came back right away and it was 3-3 and it was like, boom. And then and then just again, before we move on from this weekend, just a, a major shout out to a bullpen that has been very rightfully much derided as of late, as we know. And certainly on Friday, didn't look very good in that 70-7 game, though it wasn't very high leverage type innings as Hector, we saw the old Hector Neris again. But, back. yeah, that guy's back. 
But otherwise, look, Saturday and Sunday, just outstanding work from the pen. You know, obviously Velasquez goes out seven clean innings from the pen. And then, of course, going into the 13th day, and Arietta getting pulled in the fifth, you know, just uh, really, uh, what, 13 innings of, of work from the pen, only one run. And shout out to Axel Rios. I mentioned that before, but that dude won them the game yesterday, uh, or at least was as big a reason as anybody. And he's got stuff, and he can really dial it up. You know, he hits 99 on the regular. He's an impressive pitcher. Are you, I, what have you, are you a Axel Rios guy? Is there some upside there for you, or was that a, a, a one-time performance in your mind? No, there's definitely upside. I mean, when you're hitting 98, and it's a, it looks like a hard 98. Like, it seems like one that's tough to get on top of and drive, or through and drive. Um, and coming into that spot, was just like that's a almost a no win situation for a guy as young as he is. Uh, he needs a, a little bit, a little better slide piece, uh, a little better off speed. But the fastball's legit. He he he's been pr- he got sent down because he wasn't able to locate. Feels like he's locating again. Um, yeah, I I I'm a believer. I'm not gonna say I like trust him wholeheartedly, but they needed someone to step up with the loss of Eder by Ramos, the loss of Luis Garcia. And he's been the guy that stepped up. Outside of Sir Anthony Dominguez, he has been the guy that has stepped up. They they needed one guy with with Ramos going down and Luis Garcia. And now well, Nishek's back. It helps a lot. But they needed someone to bridge the gap, and that has been Yaxel Rios. Yeah, I've I've been impressed with Rios, and is certainly on Saturday was very impressed. And another guy I mentioned him before. Nice to see back. I wasn't sure if it was him or Tommy Hunter at first. I saw him coming out. Not as fat as Tommy Hunter, but a similar goatee beard thing going on. But Pat Neshek is back, Jack Fritz. Tell the people how important Pat Neshek theoretically could be to this bullpen. Well, listen, he's important, but the fact that he that he said to like Scott Lauber and the and the reporters like, yeah, I could use one more rehab and Reading. I know. It's like, dude, like, are you kidding me? Just, just, just get up here and help us out. Like you don't need. It was, it was infuriating. But. He probably, he probably had like a, a sports card uh, event he had to get to, and thought he could have a little extra time for it. Yeah, it's like, come on, man. Like this team needs you right now. The bullpen's in shambles. Two of its best relievers are hurt, and you can't come back and, and help us out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Nishek, Nishek back. It just gives them a guy that has been in big spots, pitched in big spots, was an All Star last year. Um, has been an all-star before it gives them another reliable guy they have one reliable guy they have theoretically two two or three more reliable guys and and basically pat neshek automatically becomes probably your second best reliever and a veteran out there that's done it before you saw today comes in perfectly it just it's just like i feel a sense of relief when he comes into a ball game i i trust sir anthony with my heart everything perfectly fine when he comes into, into a game everybody else I am I am crapping myself, and I don't feel that way with Pat, Pat Nishak. I feel like no matter what situation he comes into, he is going to uh, create soft contact. Uh, he's a soft contact machine, and I I trust Pat Nishak no matter how much of a baby I think he is. Yeah, he's such a baby. He's he's a turd. He's just a turd. But I'm glad we have him. Yeah, yeah. Hey, go get outs, buddy. And he's good at getting outs, and that's all we need right now. I, I'm I'm with you on just the the comfort of feeling like the world isn't ending when someone comes into the game. Like so, every time Tommy Hunter comes in, I oh, am, it's brutal! It's brutal! It's I was I was so annoyed when they took Nishek out for Hunter. I was like, why? Why? 
I don't need to see Tommy Hunter, and it worked out. It was fine, but I I, I hated it. I was so not a fan of the, the decision to take Nishek out, even against a lefty, and put Hunter in. I know Hunter's better against lefties. I hate Tommy Hunter. I hate seeing him. I hate when he comes out of the bullpen. Uh, look, there are not many guys I trust. I mean, the fact that we got three clean innings from Jake Thompson today is as big a miracle as anything that's happened this year, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, you got to be kidding me. And it's so funny because everyone, all of us that follow the Phillies, like it's our life. We all know that that Jake Thompson sucks. And oh, I, he sucks so hard. And I saw all of us tweeting, like me, you, Stolness, uh, like we're all just like this guy stinks. And then of course, like he has three good and in- like okay innings. And now you have all the people who just started tuning in, and being like, "What? See, like he's not that bad. Like, do you guys even know what you're talking about?" And it's just like. No, the guy stinks. Like let's let's stinks. all relax with the with the with the small sample size bullcrap. The fact that they got three innings out of Jake Thompson is the most surprising thing of the entire season. I agree there, with you. There is not a single more surprising thing than I that agree. guy. Than Legitimately that guy helping us win a ball game. Yes. Uh, and, yes, and, it's and less surprising that we're that we're forty five and thirty seven than the fact that that guy did that. I know. I know. I know. It was great. Happy for him. Still stinks. I hope I never have to watch him pitch again. Yeah, I'm not a fan. That's yeah, fair? no, cool. very much, very much not a fan of that guy. <laughs> um, all right. Um, any other? Uh, so Velasquez will be on the 10 day DL. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal, like a contusion, but obviously he took a he took a wallop. So not surprising. He's going to take a starter two off there. Ike off on the comeback trail. We'll kind of see how that works itself out. I think we both agree that that. Pavetta, Nola, Eflin not going anywhere right now. And who knows, maybe Velasquez is back or maybe they keep on him on the DL a little longer to bring Eikhoff back or the phantom injury for Arietta. We'll see how that plays out. Really quickly, the Manny Machado rumor is heating up a little bit. And we'll do a lot more trade deadline stuff as we start to get there. As Again, look, the Phillies coming out of June looking amazing. It's unbelievable. And now we'll get to the July schedule in a second. But... Oh, baby, it's easy. So uh, there's a real chance that by the time the trade deadline, this team, you know, that, that Matt Klintak really doesn't even have a choice but to make some moves. Uh, but, Jack, let's uh, we'll get into some other stuff down the road. We've talked a little Beltre. We've obviously talked bullpen pieces. We talked about Brad Hand last time. But over the weekend, John Heyman kind of doubling down on his Machado report. Four teams in it, he's saying, but the Dodgers and your Philadelphia Phillies, the top two pursuiters. What are your kind of just general take right now? I'm sure this will come up again in the future, but but we've both kind of been pretty staunch in our um, don't trade something that's really big for the future for Machado now. Unfortunately, Heyman reported that uh, amenable was the word he used to Sixto Sanchez potentially in a Machado deal. I know how you would feel about that. <laughs> yeah. So, but overall, on the whole, where are you at with the Phillies being kind of in this Machado thing, at least according to Heyman? Yeah. You know, I love Manny Machado, but I am so not in on like this rental piece. And I, and, and, unless you can get, I know he won't re sign in season. Unless there's some kind of wink, wink, maybe. But like, like the Dodgers, the Dodgers can't even re-sign him. Like the Dodgers have no chance of re-signing Manny Machado. So like, I they have a really small 
window of World Series contention. I understand why they would go after Manny Machado. Totally. They lost Corey Seager. Um, they have Kershaw, who can who can opt out, and also seems to have chronic back injuries. He may never be the same after this season. They have a very small window of trying to win a World Series. Going and giving up like Alex Vertugo for for Manny Machado seems like a win if you're the, if you're the Baltimore Orioles. Um, and I think that makes sense for them. Makes sense for the for the for the Dodgers. They're not gonna they're not gonna re-sign them. That's gonna that's gonna cost them four hundred million, and they already don't want to be up against luxury tax. So um, the, the the Dodger stuff makes sense, but it's fine. That's not gonna like go, losing him to L.A. is not gonna kill the, this team's chances of getting Manny Machado in the offseason. I think there is some credence to getting him here and and getting him around the facility and around Gabe and letting him feel comfortable. And Paul, Paul George certainly says there is right, right. That's a pretty good example. <laughs> I mean, the fact that the fact that that guy was able was willing to re-sign with Russell Westbrook for the next four years, unreal. Uh, anything is possible. Yes, uh, at this point, and stay in Oklahoma City instead of going to his home in L.A. Like totally. What are you doing anyway? Um, um, but yeah, I think there is some credence to that. I, I, I I've said it before. Like, I'm not giving up a premium player for him. Like I will give up, I will give up Medina, I will give up Eniel De Los Santos, I'll give up Moniac. I don't want to give up Hazel. Like I, I have pretty much identified my untouchables as, as Kingery, Sixto, and Hazley. Everyone else is like semi game to I would probably deal them. So if you can work a deal of like Cole Irvin, Medina, Moniac, and you know like Nick Williams or something, sure. But I'm not. I'm not in the camp of give up everything for this guy. Like, and, and, and just just try to sign him in the off season. It's it's just not. It's not smart GMing. I also want to give this team as many chances as they can to compete. But giving up that much for for Machado just seems like a, a massive mistake. It, it, I I can't shake that. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I, I, giving up six that would be malpractice. And look for what it's worth. I'm not the biggest John Heyman fan. I feel like that dude throws a lot of stuff at, at the wall and hopes it sticks. So yeah, I'm I mean, not. Everyone I'm, pretty much agrees with that. Yeah, I'm not taking this too much to heart. But like you said, it, I'm not giving up Kingery. I'm not giving up Sixto. You love Adam Hazley, but yeah, he's batting 350 the last like six weeks. I'm I, look. I, you know, point is, I don't. I ultimately don't think they will trade for Manny Machado this season. I, I don't think, know, man. There's so much buzz about it. Yeah. Well, look. It's weird. It's weird. Well, it's like, I think that I think that if they do, it's because they really think they're going to re-sign him, and thus it won't look like that big a trade because they re-signed him. Look, because ultimately, if you say to me, and and I, my argument is just sign him after the season and don't give it up. But if you say to me, if you trade for him now, he is re-signing here. I'd give up six out. I would. Because then I know Manny Machado is here for the next decade. Do you know what I mean? But then again, it's well, yeah. like, well, couldn't I have have not done that and just still sign him? So it's one of those, you know, kind of catch twenty twos in those ways. But look, I, I agree. I do think there is value to getting him here, getting him into the clubhouse, meeting the most positive manager on the planet, all that type of stuff. But um, look, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out here. And listen, and, and I'm with you. I don't want to. I don't want to give up something that's really going to help me long term. If they if they trade for him, me and you are not going to be like morose about it. Like, oh my god, we're going to be so fired up. Yeah, I'm going like, to be like, I, I get wanna, to watch Manny Machado play every day. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer about it. Like, I would be very excited about Manny Machado. I'm just trying to think of the best team building strategy and just giving up all of that it, for a guy you're not 100 percent sure you can resign is just not. 
it's it's just not good team building. That's just a fact. I totally a hundred percent agree with you, especially when you again have the have the opportunity to sign him, you know, absent or or separate of that. Um, and especially when the team are competing with the trade the most, like you said, is very highly unlikely to re-sign him, especially with the long-term assets they have at both shortstop and third base. Um, all right, Jack, let's look ahead real quick as we are stepping into the month of July here. And, oh, man, does it look good, Jack. When you think about the month that we just went through, and like you said, the, the Phillies winning, what, five or six series or whatever it is, um, you know, winning series against Milwaukee, against St. Louis, against... Um, you know, two step separate series against the Nationals. I mean, they are playing the better teams in the National League, and they're playing them well. And now they get, you ready for this, Jack? The Orioles, the Pirates, the Mets, who are coming off a of 5-21 and 21 June. Orioles, Marlins, the All-Star break, Padres. Then the Dodgers are good, Reds, Red Sox. So outside of the Dodgers and Red Sox, they've got the Reds, the Padres, the Marlins, the Orioles twice, the Mets, and the Pirates. That's awesome, Jack. This is um, there's a real chance for this team to make a run heading into uh, into August. I mean, what the hell is that? And it feels like they're just starting to play their best baseball now. Like they're they're just starting to play their best baseball right now. Um, they, they how you know remember two podcasts ago? Like I was I was so upset with this team and they, like, they totally they're still playing well and, and they still had a winning record, but it just didn't feel good. Now it feels good. I know that sounds flippy floppy because they've won four out of five series, but it's not flippy floppy. Like the, 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 the offense is back in a big way and really just the defense. Like the defense has been really competent. Kingery is looking better and better at shortstop. They're getting Valentin more playing time, which I think is interesting. Um, defensive wise, I've been pretty impressed with him. Uh, it just feels like it feels like they're settling into a groove. And I feel so much better about this team than I did two weeks ago. And now heading into that schedule, if they go out and get a Brad Hand, if they go out and, and get a Beltray, like, this thing could get serious very, very fast. It, it feels like he's, he's found the right, the right catching, uh, 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 you know, getting them, those guys the right playing time. It, it feels like they're, they're turning into a more complete baseball team. And now they're heading into the easiest stretch of their schedule. Now, some young teams, are, they could see the schedule coming up and be like, oh, well, We'll just coast through that and, and all that. But I, I, that's just not this team. That's, this team that I've watched all season is not a team that's going to be fine just just playing okay. They know when they have to raise their level of play. They really do. Um, and then if they go get a Brad Hand, if they go get a, a short-term rental at third base, I mean, you could see a, 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 them, them run off a really legit month of, of July and August. It's, it could be really, really exciting around here. Yeah, I'm with you. And you're selling them short, Jack. They won five of six series. Come oh, right, on, brother. Right, right, right. How exciting is that? How exciting no, is that? But seriously, they have won five of six series, especially after. I mean, there was not a more down time than a few weeks ago, like we talked about. And and after that Giants series, and then going to Chicago and Jason Hayward hitting the walk off grand slam and all that stuff, it was really a. And then getting losing those two practically by ten run games against Milwaukee, like it was a down time. Like it wasn't cool, and. Ever since then, they've played great baseball over the toughest stretch of their schedule all season long, Jack. That's um, and it's awesome and it's exciting and they're and you should be excited about this team out there again. Forty-five and thirty-seven, um, it's awesome. It's really awesome and a, 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 a nice week here for them to regroup too after this really tough stretch. Is they've got only two games with the Orioles and then three with the Pirates. So as much as it sucks for us because there is 
only five Phillies games this week. It's a good week for them to get some rest before they kind of get into the the you know grind again, and then the All Star break and nice little rest. The schedule is really setting up well here for this Phillies team that is um, look really a legit playoff contender right now. Which yeah, is they really, really exciting. The, the bullpen really needs this 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 week. Totally. You know, well, no. I, I, oh my God, seven innings, seven innings two days ago, and then they had to. Pitch another, what, uh, six or seven today. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's desperately needed it. Yeah. Huge. This, it's it's going to start getting real because now they're playing easy teams. The schedule is going to look better and better. And, man, the, the pressure is on Glensack now. If This team this team is it's, – it, it's putting – Yeah, it's like I said before. He might not have a choice. Like, this team is making it so he might not have a choice. They did not come into this season and say – we're going to be making moves at the deadline. That was absolutely not something they intended to be doing. And this team is making it so that he might not have a choice, Jack. Like he might, it would be malpractice on the other end to not give a team that has a legitimate chance to make the playoffs come July 31st. If they're, you know, look at this month they've got at, if they, if they just keep winning series, they could be 12, 13, 14 games up come July 31st. I mean, think about that. I mean, what is he supposed to do other than say, all right, I'm going to help you guys? They deserve it. I mean, they deserve That's what I mean. yeah. the chance to, to, to compete. They may not win the World Series, but they deserve the best chance to go out there and try to compete on a night-in, night-out basis. So, like, what do you make of that, that Nationals team real quick? Like, is there something wrong there? Uh, are they the 2012 Phillies? Or are they the 2016 Astros? Um, I, look, I think I think there's a couple things wrong right there, right now. I know your boy Bryce Harper not hitting at all. <laughs> Wait, what? As is he my boy? Because you own him on your fantasy team. Um, oh yeah, contract your Harper is not going as well as I thought. Yeah, uh, but uh, look, Rendon's been really good for them this year, and Shocking. I think I think yeah, I think offensively they'll they'll be fine. Look, I think Max Scherzer's had to carry the team. Gio's been pretty good, but um, I think just the, the instability in the staff has hurt them. Strasburg obviously being hurt has hurt them. I think they're ultimately going to be fine, but I don't think they're a great baseball team. I certainly don't think they're they're going to get back to what people predicted they would be before the season, but I think they'll hang around the wild card race, you know, and I think they could have a stretch where if they get Strasburg back, they could certainly compete for a wild card spot. But I, I don't think that they are by any means a favorite anymore. Something feels weird with that team. Something yeah, feels something's, weird. Yeah, something's off. I agree. And look, you know, uh, you make the playoffs, what, four or five years in a row. Sometimes there is that down year. And, and you do have, and they've had injuries. And they just got Daniel Murphy back. And Adam Eaton's been out all year and all that type of stuff. So, um, look, I think it's interesting. I don't know if Dave Martinez is good. Are we sure Dave Martinez is good, Jack? Uh, we are not sure Dave Martinez is good. I don't. Yeah, yeah, he makes some weird moves. He does. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, it's it's weird. That team should be much better than it is. I agree with you. Uh, all right, Fritzy, any final thoughts? We'll be back to talk to you guys uh, probably, I guess, on Wednesday or thir- or No, it'll be Thursday, uh, off day. So we'll come and we'll preview the weekend on stuff. So Fritzy, any final thoughts before? Uh, we got a, a nice off day here, and then the Baltimore Orioles in town, Jack. The Baltimore Orioles are, I think, I think they're ten games worse than the worst team in the NL. So yeah, they're so bad. Put that into perspective, and that's with a top five player in the sport. So uh, wait till they trade him. No, it's just it, it, I feel so much better about this team. I feel good about this team. Um, it, it, it feels like they're in every game. Obviously, Friday night did happen. It was seventeen to seven, but 
even there, there was a, a glimmer of hope with how the offense was coming back and the Reese at bats. Reese, Reese is back in a big way besides today. Um, but I feel good about this team. I, I, it's something to tune in on a night in, night out basis. And I think there's a lot of positive momentum around this team just from the fans, the casual fans. I've seen a lot of Phillies gear in the last couple of days. And it just genuinely, it makes my heart warm. Like seeing seeing Phillies gear pop up around uh, the the Delaware Valley, it, it legitimately makes my heart warm. And I think there's a lot of positive momentum around this Phillies team. I think the crowds are going to start showing up, and this stretch is just going to have everyone believing in this team again. I think you're going to see a lot of the negativity surrounding Gabe Kapler, surrounding analytics. That feels like it's starting to go away just because people are starting to understand more and more um, just what this team is doing every game. Um, I feel I feel really good about this team. They're getting into a groove. They're just starting to play their best baseball now, and they're forty five and thirty seven. I think that's incredible. I uh, I am so happy. I and can tell. Listen to I just, this. I just positive Fritz in the house. I am positive. I'm mostly positive about the Phillies. Good. There was a, there was a little couple weeks stretch there where I was just mad. Like I was just mad at the team I was watching because I knew they could be better. And right now they feel like a good team. And this trade deadline is going to be super interesting. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, if you ask me what they're going to do, I have no idea. I have no idea. I'll speculate, but I really don't. But they have a chance to go get guys that can help them win. I would prefer to go get guys that can help them win now and in the future. Uh, I want controllable guys, and I have no problem giving up pieces to get controllable guys. Um, but this team is good. They're fun. They are. It's starting to feel finally like a fun team. And I think that has to do with the offense actually being semi-competent this last couple of days. So um, just buckle up, Phil's fans, because – Easy month coming up, easy month and a half coming up, uh, and then the trade deadline. Like this is gonna get real real quick. Listen to that. What a positive, happy Jack Fritz. This is a That's that's worthy of at least else. one review. That's like, what I'm that, saying. Rate and review the podcast. That, that listen to that, at least one review. Listen to that happy, joyous rant we just got from Fritz. They're not always angry rants. We get a happy, joyous, everything is rainbows and jelly gumdrops so uh beautiful stuff there from fritz i echo all the same and seriously uh please rate and review the podcast it really helps people find the podcast and we're just trying to get all the phillies fans we can to check it out because we love to talk phillies and we want to talk phillies to people who love to hear about the phillies so that's you guys and gals and <laughs> beautifully said so you are you were a true wordsmith i'm a wordsmith and i'm uh i'm uh yeah let's stick with that all right uh for for jack fritz uh i'm james seltzer thank you for listening to another edition of are you sure seltzer is good <laughs> we're damn right seltzer is good all right bye Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey.